0: Call Steve Witherup.
1: Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile.
2: Hey.
0: Hey, man. Everybody alive at your house?
2: Everybody, yes. So far, so good. What about you?
0: We're all, uh, we're all fine. Uh, yeah. They put, uh, they put pregnant women on the list of, I almost said endangered species, species, uh, like whatever, most at risk. So, we're like trying to extra quarantine or whatever.
2: Right. So. Yeah. There's. I know. I know a couple of couples that are very close to giving birth and yeah, definitely had the whole nother layer of, uh, potential anxiety.
0: Chelsea's due April 15th. And, uh, as a part of our birth plan that we made, whenever we found out she was pregnant, we had a lot of stuff in there for global pandemics. So we've been prepping (laughs) for this the whole
2: time. Has, I bet no one has made any kind of tax joke for (laughs) you, have they?
0: yeah i just go ahead and say it for them april 15th is when she's due it's tax day
2: um (laughs) rob them of yeah
0: for sure i uh i hate being cooped up as you know and so this is for sure my hell
2: yeah that's a lot of uh a lot of people were experiencing things that they haven't experienced in a long time i feel a little bit guilty In the sense that, you you know, uh, like the kids have been able to be outside every day and whether in the backyard or there's hiking trails across the road. So, um, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of people who are very, very isolated and cooped up.
0: Yeah, thank God we have this house and not uh, live in an apartment, which, by the way, the apartments are like becoming hot sites because there's people that are getting it, you know, and then that are in the building. So they're having to clean and decontaminate everything. I don't know. It just feels that would be a horrifying situation to be in. So it's nice to be in a house and have a yard and be able to go out and swing and all that stuff.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not uh, it's not ideal. I I, I want to I want us to talk about what's going on in the world. Like I don't want us to be oblivious to it. I don't want us to not you know talk about what will be a a major moment in American history for sure and you know world history. And but but I don't want to not I don't know I don't want to not read the text. So I think what I what we should do is. I'll read uh, both the epistle and the gospel text from the lectionary today, and then we'll give some thoughts both about that and about what's going on in the world. But as like a disclaimer, I guess, this is not a sermon out of these texts about what's happening in the world. It's just musings and riffs about both. Like we want to make sure that we read the text and that we have some kind of semblance of, what it means to have a church service uh, in this format, but then also, you know, I think it's important that we sort of give a frame for this whole experience that we're all walking through. Like I was telling Steve earlier that um, there's like the fun novelty part of this that was week one of like, oh, we don't have to be at work and, you know, Chelsea's out of school and, there's no daycare and it's like a fun little homestead. Yeah, exactly. Like, like an extended snow weekend kind of thing. And then now it's like, uh, this is what our life is going to be for a while. Um, and so I do think it's important that we frame it well and that we're like beyond just the pragmatic side of trying to be safe and whatever. How, how do we, how do we live into this whole thing? like in a faithful way. And then how do we, I don't know. So anyway, let me, let me read the text. Um, I'll read, I'll read the Ephesians text. And then Steve, will you read the John text? Yeah. Ephesians five, eight through 14 for once you were darkness, but now in the Lord, you are light live as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful to even mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you.
2: So that was John, then uh, chapter 9, and uh, was it one through the whole? It was the whole chapter, right? Yeah, I, I don't know where the
0: end of the chapter is because I'm, I'm using a phone because it's 2020, uh, but it's <laughs> I hear pages turning <laughs> on your side. I, I think it's it's through the end. It's through verse 40-something, 40 41, I think.
2: Okay. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the man, the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So, they, so the man went and washed, and he came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said no, it just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them. He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinions among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion of this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying jesus was the messiah would be expelled from the synagogue that's why they said he is old enough ask him so for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him god uh, should get the glory for this because we know this man jesus is a sinner i don't know whether he is a sinner the man replied but i know this i was blind and now i can see but what did he do they asked how did he heal you Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why don't you, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, and we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man came from, comes from. Why, that's very strange. The man replied, he healed my eyes and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus had heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see
0: yeah so so right away I mean I think it's worth saying up top like kind of in line with um, in line with what we were saying about this is not a message about this um, about the coronavirus or something it's not like the text is about this I, I do think it's um, it's worth noting like whatever we're about to say that this like is happening through this, the things that we can learn through this, the way we can frame this, the, the, the kinds of thoughts we should be thinking about it. Like, I do think it's worth saying that God hasn't caused this. Like that, I think there are some disclaimers that need to be said because I, I know that you're not on social media, Steve. I know that you don't like you curate your life normally so that you don't have to you know, encounter this stuff as much as I do just because I'm constantly online. But, you know, people are saying crazy things beyond just all the conspiracy theories and deep state kind of, you know, all that kind of hoax hunting. uh, People are saying like, are playing fast and loose with God with this and saying that God has caused this to try to teach us something or whatever. And a a God that does that, that like, flings tsunamis on people and takes children from us. That that's not a god that I would want to serve. You know, I, do you have you heard any of that stuff in relation to this? Uh,
2: not not in specific uh, in this specific context, but of course, anytime there's anything, it's it can easily be assumed that those are conversations that are happening, um, and it's almost and it's almost just the assumption in, in a lot of people's minds, like in the very beginning of this John text, you know, the, the, they encountered the blind man and the disciples thought that they were like, they thought that they were asking the only question that could be asked in that moment. Like, so they, they led with, was he born blind because of his sins or his parents' sins? It's like, they were almost trying to impress Jesus by asking the theological tough question. And, you know, I can just imagine the look Jesus flashed at him. Like, that's not the only, that's not the only thing happening here. That's not, it's the wrong question. But that is,
0: but that is the question that like we culture are asking with stuff like this because we want to make meaning out of it. Like we want to, or maybe not make meaning out of it. We want to like, we want to be able to make sense of it. And so for something that's as senseless and insane as a as a virus like this that's spread across the globe, like, we want to be able to say, oh, it's because of this. And so we, you know, we bring that kind of need into a faith conversation and say, oh, well, God must be doing this or, you know, as if God is causing it. Now, that's not to say that God isn't in it and with us, like God it's that James Finley quote. I think I even said it last week, um, or if I didn't, it was in service the last time we had service. Time doesn't make sense right now, but it, it's the God that protects us from nothing yet sustains us in all things. Like we, I don't know, I don't know if I would say it that strongly or in that exact way, but I do think that there's a point in it that like God, it, there's going to be horrible things that happen to us and to the world, and while we're here. It doesn't mean God's causing those things, but God does find himself, like, finds us in the midst of those things and sustains us through them and can, you know, work out all things together for his good and all of that sort of thing. But I do think it's a distinction that needs to be made.
2: Yeah. uh, The, you know, the why question is, it's always going to be part of it. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's not a worthy conversation to be having. I mean, it's, it's something we're curious about. And, and sometimes I think it's important, uh, you know, like that Nietzsche said that we can basically put up with any, what, as long as we know the, why, like, so sometimes yeah, un- understanding why something is happening is, is valuable, uh, whether it's to drive strength from, or just simply, you know, stupid example, but like, I don't know why, I mean, why is my, Toe bleeding, you know, it's and then, well, I am dropping knives on it. So, like, so I can stop dropping (laughs) knives, right? In order to, so the why is, of course, important. But, you know, in things like this, though, sometimes it's more about it's just simply here, it's just simply happening. So, what do you, what do you do with it? Like, what do you learn from it? What do you, how do you grow in and through it? And what, who do you need to be? to you know everyone else who is also experiencing the thing like the uh, it, this is you know i'm not saying it in such a direct way to say that you know god sent this so that we could learn but the fact of the matter is it's here right and it's teaching us things it's it's that's it's ex- exposing things
0: that's exactly right um, and that's exactly what i had in my notes as well it's like one the the thing that this is showing me more than anything is that it's just exposing us. Like I think the Ephesians text has to like wake up, sleeper or whatever, rise. I I do think that there was like, somebody posted the other day, uh, what, what did we talk about before this? Like there is like a, uh, there's a new thing that's happening. Like there, like our collective conscious is different, um, than it was two weeks ago. And I, uh, I think simply contending with what is is like is extremely important, and it's it is what we've been given. And so, um, Rohr said that our faith started as an experience with Jesus, like it was this very earthly, tangible, real thing, like this very experiential thing. It started as experience. It moved to Greece and became philosophy. It uh, it moved to Rome and became organized religion. It moved to Europe and became culture, and then moved to America and became business, and I really like that as a snapshot of like at least major church history moves or whatever. I think that it it, it fits, and so I do think that we like try to philosophize about what's happening and like try to make sense of what God, what is God doing and how could He let this happen and who is He is He allowing this to pass through His hands? Is He Is he doing it? Is he, does he have no control, whatever? And ultimately that's, you know, that's a philosophy kind of a question. And that's just an endless cycle of not knowing. You're going to continue going on the same conversational path and, and you're probably never going to get anywhere. And if you do, it's going to be at the expense of doing anything generative or good. And so if you stay at the kind of experiential experience level of this, like, this is what is, this is here, and this is what's happening. So how do we respond to what is?
2: Yeah, it's, it it enlightens um, and causes to, it causes you to reevaluate in real time a lot of different assumptions that you have been, you know, living with. Uh, like it's, I know that, so in the midst of a tragedy, it's not always the time for a reevaluation. Like sometimes certain things just need to happen. So, like, you know, if you if there was a, a natural disaster and people were without water or whatever, it's like there's certain just immediate things that need to happen. Don't don't be asking philosophical questions or contemplative questions. Get the people water who need water. For sure. Like In this John 9 story, I mean, this guy that Jesus encountered, he just – he had this immediate need. He needed to see. He couldn't – he was a beggar, and he needed to see. Um, And he he refuses to
0: respond to the philosophy questions. He's like, I don't know. I was blind, and I see.
2: Right. His immediate – yes, his immediate need was met. But the other side of that is, like, is whether – We always have to be open to whatever it is that is happening. What is that teaching us in the moment? And that's whether it's joyous, whether it's, you know, just this tremendous experience like maybe the birth of a child or whatever it is, or a tragedy. Like everything that we are given, that we encounter, has with it teaching tools. And part of what those things do is, is expose what's present within us that it it enlightens us in a sense. Like, I love, like, look what happens in this John nine story. So this guy, for whatever else this story is about is, you know, it's about blindness and sight. So it's, and then the Ephesians text talks about light and darkness exposing, like that's what light does. So like, you know, and sometimes when we talk about somebody who is blind now seeing, we, we sometimes maybe tend to think about that more in terms of like um, doing the wrong thing, but now doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, but, but light being shown onto a situation, having vision brought into a a situation exposes both good and bad that is happening. So like, what is this guy, what's exposed in this John nine story most of it's negative Mm -hmm. like it it had very little to do with just this guy simply receiving physical vision like for you know within the 40 verses it's all about the what's being exposed when it comes to motives what it's uh you know intentions with the pharisees and um you know thoughts and and all this kind of stuff is being brought to the surface through the experience of what happened to this to this man like they were they refused to just simply celebrate this moment and what was brought to the surface or exposed was all of this internal um what would be the word just like it's deeper than just dislike for jesus i mean it's it's more of just this it's this this entire world view that the pharisees had or uh, or the or the you know the people that were present there it was being exposed and brought to light and so it's like we're facing this pandemic right now like mm-hmm. this is what's happening so it's like what's being exposed i guess if we allow for the light to shine into this situation like what's happening and i think that you can answer that in a lot of different ways i mean i you know, and this isn't my um, place to say, but like, just even, you know, culturally and politically, it's like, okay, we don't have enough hospital beds. Right. We don't have like the logistics. I mean, we rely way too much on certain things economically that we would refuse to shut them down. Like, you know, I'm not anti sports, but like, think of we live in a culture that if we stop a game, we crumble economically you know that that's exposed Mm -hmm. by this that's that's the light shining into that but then you know take it funnel it down out of the larger you know the political societal uh you know down internally it's like what what's this doing to us like how have we structured our own lives in a way that they are so greatly disrupted by this
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I think, I think the light and darkness theme is in both. Obviously, it, the the John passage says that Jesus is the light, and then every everything exposed to the light becomes visible. And so, it is this thing is certainly exposing the things that were underneath and animating our culture that we either didn't want to see, or if we did see, we just kind of stopped paying attention to it. But it should it showed how vulnerable we are. I mean, we've got, there's grandmothers in Georgia that are knitting and sewing hospital masks for surgeons because there's not enough supply of them. Like, and that's just obviously a very small thing that represents a much larger thing. The thing that we felt like was so stable and strong is one virus away from being proved extremely, extremely limited and. Uh, I, I think that without even making a value judgment on it, like sort of everything exposed to light becomes visible. It's not everything exposed to light becomes good, bad, shows, whatever. It's just, it is, it shows what is actually there. It wakes us up from living in, you know, our own self-imposed darkness or culture-imposed darkness where we just kind of whistle through the dark and, and, and continue about our normal lives or whatever. And Whatever's on the other side of this, it's not going back to what was, you know, it's, it's there's been a fundamental change, I think, or, or we're at least poised for one.
2: I, I agree, I think, and I think that that's part of what needs to be happening in this, this time, like, you know, it, it's, it's hard to talk about certain things and not just sound cold or dismissive if you aren't physically dealing with the, the virus or know someone close to you that's dealing with it. Because again, just like with this blind man in John nine, that was the immediate need. Like that is the thing being addressed. But for the rest of us who are watching this happen, we are, it, it, part of our responsibility is to ask certain questions about what will life look like on the other side of this? Because for those, for those who make it through, there will be life on the other side of this, but I do think um, it it will be different. And and so, what will that what will that be? And and so. So, how we come out of this, hopefully, will be with a a new perspective on what is a stronger foundation for building on.
0: Yeah. Whatever is whatever is seen can't be unseen. So, however we move forward. You, you, we can't i don't know it 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 seems to me like however we move forward we'll have to be in light of what we've seen through this crisis and i you know it starts uh, you obviously think about the uh think about whatever structure is closest to you or that you are are in the most like so i won't even talk too much about the other ones but just the first thing that i you know i i'm obviously we both of us pastor this church. And so we're in this kind of church environment. A lot of my relationships are with people that I grew up with in churches and that are pastoring churches and that kind of thing. So that's a lot of what I see. And like for the church, this is, this is not like everybody is really having to contend with what does it mean to be the church right now? Like what, what are we actually doing? And so you see a lot of churches that are like the whole church world is being exposed right now and for some churches, it's exposing really good things. Like for instance, I I've been watching some of the stuff that your brother Doug has been posting about CFA and Concord. Like what's being exposed right now is that they have deep systems in place that are helping feed people. Like mm-hmm. like literally, you know that their their grocery store, which was not set up overnight when this crisis started, but was has been in place for you know a decade or more it, that like their, their thing is being exposed as being good and worthwhile in the real world, you know, mm-hmm. but others are like really clamoring to like, uh, set up slick online experiences and stuff. And I don't want to make pit, pit one against the other. Cause I don't think it is an either or thing, but how, how long is that viable? You know? And, and I'm seeing people that are like, Wrestling not that are not leaders of churches but are just church goers with like, what's the point of all this? And so I do think that we're in like a really important cultural time for the church to decide what what it's going to be and what it's going to mean for them to be in the world. And uh, you know, you and I both have heard this. I think w- with Conan uh, O'Brien talking about uh, late night and him saying. I know that I'm on a shrinking iceberg right now. Like we, all of our uh, us late night hosts, this is not going to be an industry that's going to be here for a long time. And I've thought that about our sort of evangelical megachurch world, the way that it's you know animated and 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 working right now, it is an iceberg. I think and. I I wonder at the end of this because who knows how long it's going to be? I mean, there's so many people, not just churches, small businesses, larger businesses that are going to go under during this. I wonder on the other side of this thing that's exposing us, like what's going to be left standing.
2: It's it's one of the questions of of Lent. Um, You know we we've talked about it in this from this angle you know, more than once, So uh, don't want to just be repetitive, but like, I just think it's so valuable that, you know, if, if this season of Lent is attached to the story of Jesus in the desert, um, for 40 days and facing these temptations, there is nothing about that story that, that is about just simply resisting something in order to re-implement it after that desert fast. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the story of the desert is building a life on valuable things, making the tough decisions of how I will, how will I, how will I structure this, you know, whether it's my individual life, my family life, my church life, my spiritual life, all of this stuff, my community life. Like, how do I structure that in the desert when it's stripped away and I'm faced with the temptations of, of chasing just power, chasing all of this other stuff? it's about it's about the creating the lens through which all of life will now be created mm-hmm. and so it's like we come out of this you know we're not just if we're just sitting lying in wait hoping that in four weeks six weeks like life will resume as normal and thank god the market is back up and thank god that the nba is playing again and all of this stuff then then we didn't We didn't listen to what the light is trying to teach us in this moment. Amen. Because the other other response is not to become a doomsday prepper. It's not to say, well, this will never happen to me again, and so all of my life will be lived towards surviving a worst-case scenario. That's no way to live. But somewhere in between that and being naive to it all… Somewhere in between there there's a, comes a life. third way. Yes. Yes. And that is what is established in this Lent season. That's what's that's what's built for Jesus in that 40 day period. You know, and, and it's it's this opportunity. You hate to speak of something like this as an opportunity, but all of the things that we're presented with are opportunities. And it's like, how are we going to learn to create that third way that is actually building a life on valuable things? It's always going to be fragile. Mm-hmm. Like it's there's a fragility to it that we cannot eliminate, but there is a stronger foundation that is a little bit less shakable
1: mm-hmm. than
2: than what we're seeing and that has everything to do with food systems local economies health choices um, community choices families no one is exempt from this whether it's businesses individuals or churches Um, you know it's a forced reevaluation and because it's it things have been exposed and you know, and if, like, if if a, if a church just simply is about um, a Sunday morning show for an hour and a half, then they're being exposed as that. Um,
0: and there will be a lot of churches only... that die because of this, or, right. or that change fundamentally because of this.
2: Right. And so what is, what's a spiritual community for? What's a, you know, what's the... What's a vocational community for? What's a family uh, for? You know, all of this, you know, like economics and business, it's it's a good thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like leisure, the sports, the NBA. I mean, it's all it's a good thing. It um, and of course church gatherings. I never stop gathering. I mean, it, you know, like never stop coming together and and worshiping together, singing music, uh, you know, telling stories together. It's, it's our version of the campfire, you Mm -hmm. know, um, never stop gathering, but what this is forcing us to do though, is reevaluating what are we putting our weight on though? And, and, and how well ordered
0: is the thing and, and, and what are the motives that animate the thing? I think all of that is being shown. Yeah. And, you know, talking about business, at least for me, um, the thing that I've found in all of this, and it's it's illuminated uh, kind of the way that I think about pastoring people, is that, you know, vocational life is not separate from like your identity as a Christ follower. So all of it is one thing. And so it it's not like that's not pertinent to this conversation. like how how we, structure and spend our lives and the kind of good we're trying to put in the world and the world that we're trying to make with our jobs, hopefully if it's, you know, generative and, and good, it's bringing about more good in the world or more of what's needed in the world. It, it all has to be looked at through this lens, I think of kingdom or of, you know, Christ or whatever, the light has to be able to shine on all of it.
2: Yeah. Cause it's, there's no, there's no part of, your life expression that's exempt from the need to pursue what is meaningful, mm-hmm. um, and you know, again, whether that's family, vocation, it, it is. It's all about pursuing the meaning that that we believe is is possible because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard someone say the other day that you know, basically, to pursue luxury or happiness. Or to, no no to pursue happiness is a luxury mm-hmm. um that only if you know that the few get yep. to to pursue but it's everyone's obligation to pursue what's meaningful and to see what is built on the other side of that yes so um
0: yeah meaningful and hopefully, over like shallow or happy or whatever is I, th- I like that I, I like that distinction
2: yeah um and so like you said if you're pursuing greed you're being exposed for that in these types of situations and and um, all that kind of stuff but but the strongest thing when it comes to the foundation to survive and sup- get through these sorts of things is if communally you are pursuing what is meaningful both as individuals and collectively then again fragility will never not be a part but you are best set up to weather storms. Yeah. And not that you, and not that you start with that as the motive. You don't start with saying, how do I best survive weather and storms? It's just the, the logical outworking of pursuing what is right in the world.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've, I've noticed that just being reduced down to like, I have felt, Um, how how can I say this? Like, I felt for me personally that I've been reduced down to like really contending with what's essential. And it, you know, I, I, I told you this the other day, Steve, like I've never seen, we, me and Zeke went out and played disc golf the other day and it's about as, you know, uh, it's about as much social distancing as you can get in a leisure activity or whatever. And I've never seen more people at the park. I've never seen more people talking. I've never seen like more people wrestling with uh, what it means to be a family and how to parent your kids because you, you know, I I had this thought today. Yesterday I felt bored. I haven't felt bored in like 15 years, you know, like that's a, that kind of thing. I I don't know. There's just something about this where, uh, whatever is at base level of human need, you know, is present. And so sitting out in my backyard and feeling the sun on your face and it, I don't know. There's such a strange juxtaposition right now between spring happening and this pandemic happening at the same time. Like it, it it's almost like the earth communicating how little it cares about this in some way like the brightest green in you know these first few days of spring coming off of trees and flowers blooming and all that kind of stuff it's just i don't know have you have you had that thought about this
2: oh no 100% yes it and you know my oldest son and i were talking um even just earlier today about uh, how do I say it in a way that doesn't sound too weird, but just like that—that that the Earth will continue. Yeah, you know, like yeah, and and I guess um, and it's it is it's trying to cleanse itself of some things, maybe <laughs> even, you know, yeah. and that's I'm not saying individuals. That's you know, it's not what I'm. Saying, but we had a long conversation about that. And did you and edit this out if this is cheesy? Because it's probably all over the internet. And like you said, I'm late to the party. But have you heard the poem that's all over the internet from Kitty O'Meara? uh It says, and the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply some meditated some prayed some danced some met their shadows and the people began to think differently and the people healed and in the absence of people living in ignorant dangerous mindless and heartless ways the earth began to heal <laughs> and when the danger passed and the people joined together again they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed.
0: Good Lord. Amen.
2: Yeah. I I love like, so, and that's more, that's what, My oldest son and I were talking about it. So like even just the overhead pictures of the air quality above China, you know, stuff like that. It's like the earth, the earth may have needed a break.
0: The channels in Venice are clear for the first time and dolphins are back and all that kind of like stuff that seems cheesy, but it's, it's real for what,
2: (laughs) right. And, you know, not that four weeks of quarantine is going to heal the decades or years of damage, but, but. Like just like this poem said, you know, maybe when we emerge again, we can join in a better way, we can grieve our losses and yet make new choices
0: i yeah i i I have felt more than ever like aware of the fact that I'm on a planet in these last you know few weeks or few whatever seven days. It's like this is our earth this is these these are the gifts that we've been given this is the world that we've been born onto and into and uh I, have you ever have you has there ever been more of a need for poets than right now
2: right that's that was another conversation i had yesterday it's strange because in times like these it's like you strip away the um the ability for like who goes away first like you know then what people would consider non-essential so like why would I be paying a poet right now? You know, it, but yet, but the but the other side of that is is exactly what you just said. Because never before have they been more needed.
0: Hey, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play that Wendell Berry poem of, with him reading it that I sent you, and it'll. You should be able to hear it too. But I, I, even if this is choppy, I don't care. I think people need to hear <laughs> poets right now.
3: When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake—when despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be—I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free.
0: Good Lord, I love Wendell Berry.
2: Yeah, it's, those are as important. Um, that type of voice is as important as anything right now. Like, you know, we need we need pastors, poets, teachers to to exercise their gifts more than ever in real and meaningful ways.
0: No, no question. I, I've I've never uh, I've never wanted like a cool brunch culture of like restaurants and bars and that kind of a thing that's never been less appealing to me than it is right now and yes Wendell Berry and being outdoors and listening to the earth and listening to your own life recentering yourself I don't know this whole thing feels like a I wrote this down like a uh in light of Lent and being deprived of things, this it feels like a forced monasticism. Now, granted, it's monasticism with iPhones and Netflix and all of that <laughs> stuff still very present. <laughs> but but it at least, you know, it, it, the American version of it, it slows us down 15% or 40%, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know. I've felt m- I felt that I've been thinking way more uh, on a local level than I ever have. I've been like trying to think about who I can shop from that needs it right now. I've been thinking about how to take care of these physical spaces like our, you know, city parks that provide us with the ability to walk among trees and hear the trees blowing in the wind and that sort of thing. All of that feels really uh, important to me in a way that it never has probably. Um, Yeah, so... How do we how do we respond to all of this? Like, do we? I, I we were just talking about poets. I, I'm going to be trying to read more poetry. I'm going to try to uh, be more silent. L- luckily, having this amount of free time and space, being forced to be in my house and not out and about and all that sort of thing, is forcing me to slow down. So, luckily, there is a finite amount of things on the internet that are worth looking at. And um, so, I'm trying to get away from that as much as I can. I'm trying to be more, you know, be a better parent, be a better husband, all that kind of stuff, read more, uh, give more time to silence and that kind of thing. what What are you trying to do and how are you trying to parent through this, Steve?
2: You know, I think there's a couple different things. like it what what's difficult with this one is, for example, if if you know if a storm came through, and you know damage the neighborhood there's physical things that are easily given or that you can easily give to so like you know what do i do i'm going to go out and i'm going to help you know pre- make sure food's there for people or help build their house or whatever it is but this is like with social distancing you know it those sorts of things are a little bit off the table so right. what does what does your response look like and i i do think you know simple things like supporting your local economy on like if they're selling online and, um, you know, and if you know, I mean, and there are of course people who are just immediately in need um, financially. So, I mean, we all, we're all somewhat in the same boat as far as that goes to some degree with, with the, with under these circumstances, but like, how can we, how can we help? Well, how can we find, some immediate uh, needs to pour into, but then, but then the other side of that are, is the things that you've you've talked to. Um, like, if I'm not able to do that kind of stuff, I mean, is you know, Netflix my best option, or are right. there other things that I could be could be doing? I hear a Zeke.
0: <laughs> he just came in, opened the door, said, "Now you're done," and when I. Waved my finger like Dikembe Mutombo and said no. He rolled his eyes and slammed the door.
2: <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's what a lot of uh, people look like toward the end of sermons. <laughs> <laughs> For
0: God's sake, let us eat. Yeah, uh, yeah.
2: So yeah, I I, I do feel like you just have kind of rambled a lot, but it's 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 more of just like a recorded. There are a thousand of these conversations happening every minute right now because yeah. like you said, what did we talk about before this? This is what we're talking about. So this is just kind of one of the many conversations that we've kind of had. Yeah. That's focused on this. And I, you know, I hope it's I, you know, and if it's beneficial for some to listen in on that, so be it. Um, you know, uh next week we'll probably go go a little bit more just um
0: back to the text a little bit more
2: yeah and just a little bit more of a, a, a pre-teaching uh, style going through a text but um yeah i just thought it was kind of maybe valuable to to talk about this out loud a little bit i mean i wish this conversation could be happening in the midst of all of us at neighborhood sitting together I know. but it's not possible at this point so and here's just, at least well go ahead but well, no, go ahead. It,
0: it, I in times like this, I I desperately don't want uh, anything polished or fake. Like I don't want any kind of feigned certainty about what's going on or five five points of what we can do and how to be and all that stuff. It. I, I don't think anybody really wants that because I think it's so clearly contrived right now. And so, the the goal of this was just to. Kind of be in on the same conversation that we're all having, and hopefully there's some kind of semblance of something that you can take from it and that uh, reshapes or reframes the thing. Um,
2: yeah, and you asked you you asked about or mentioned about parenting through this, and I and that's tough too. Like, how do you how do you not lie to your child in a in a way that just tries to shelter them? from real suffering in the world. Right. But then also protects them a little bit from, um, you know, the, the over anxious, uh, reactions or, you know, or things like that. And, and so, I mean, we've just been, you know, very honest with our kids, um, and have tried to model a response that is responsible, but not driven by fear. And, you know, and th- I, to say this sounds, you know, morbid in a way, but if, whether we have been given, you know, a hundred more years or 10 more days, it's like, how do we want to spend our days, you know? Yeah. And so summer vacation has somewhat started early this year and the kids are hiking, jumping on the trampoline, campfires, just.
0: Yeah. It's good and bad know? at the same time. There is, Yeah. there is, uh, there's room for both, and it can coexist. Um, well, I want I want to see if Zeke will come say his prayer at the end, see if he says anything uh, worthwhile. He really, really messed up last week. It's not his best performance. Um, and then I want to ha- say, I, I would love for you to say a, a genuine prayer, and then uh, it'll lead us into the last thing. Zeke! Zeke! All right, now hold on. I'm going to put you up by the microphone. I don't hear
1: you. All right. Uh, Zeke,
2: are you there? Yeah. Zeke. Yeah. Hey, yeah. bud.
1: Good.
0: <laughs> Can you say a prayer?
1: Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, I'll hear you. Careful.
0: Okay, he's out. Close the door. <sighs> I don't know why he likes the happy birthday song so much. He never sings it, ever.
2: He kind of, kind of started with a little bit of a channeling, a little bit more Marilyn Monroe version, but then sped it right up. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, uh, so we wanted to have a song uh, each week that we put in this, just as a way of kind of uh, giving some space to center yourself or, uh just reflect on, on things. And, uh, since we don't have a communion table to walk to together, um, you know, last week we kind of instructed you to have a, a family communion experience of whatever kind, even if it was just a meal or something, putting that intention into it. And we kind of share our, our, uh, our, our metaphorical table or whatever. And so, um, the, the cool thing that's, uh, for this week's episode is uh, a friend of mine, friend of my sister's Madeline's is uh is actually weirdly on the Voice this season, which I don't know if it'll continue or if they'll it'll be normal or whatever. She's on John Legend's team on the Voice, and she um is just like us has a lot of downtime because she's uh, cooped up and all that stuff. So I asked her to send a little voice memo uh, from her iPhone of just leading a song, and she ended up singing the exact same song Madeline sang last week, and I think it's um. I don't know. It's got a almost lullaby kind of quality to to the song. It, it's one that I go back to a lot as just a centering sort of uh, thing on the goodness of God and trying to not be terrified at every moment and everything. So, um, so Steve, just say a prayer for us, and then we'll get to hear the song from Zan.
2: Yeah, God, we seek to recenter ourselves upon you. God, in this moment, I ask that you, that your spirit would teach us, God, how to respond to whatever it is that we're facing. God, beyond just simply arguing about the why and everything like that, God, help us to just allow for the light to expose what it is that needs to be exposed. Help us God to emerge from this different, in a better way. God, as the as the poem said, as the as the earth takes some time to heal. In this moment, God, may we emerge to rejoin, but this time maybe with a little bit more wisdom, God. Maybe maybe with a little bit more um, sense of what is truly valuable, a a, a better understanding of of family community, health, God, economics, art, vocation, God, all of it, Father, help us to emerge a more Christ-like community. God, is, we pause in this moment, Father, and many of us maybe are taking communion, Lord, the broken body, the, the shed blood, the forgiveness of sins, Help us to be reminded that this is the foundation upon which we build, God, this beautiful, strong foundation. God, help us to to build with valuable things upon that gracious gift that was given. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: This day.